the scene has played itself out uh, on playgrounds around the world, I'm sure, um, for generations. And it goes something like this. If you don't stop, I'll tell my dad. Oh, yeah? Well, my dad's bigger than your dad. Right? What, why is it important that you have the bigger dad? Right? Why, why is that important? It's because for the dad, the dad is um, the protector, right? He's, he's the security blanket. So if, the, if I'm in some kind of trouble, I know that the person I would call is dad. That's the person who would come and would be there to protect and to help. And so if I have a big dad, then he's able to help a lot, right? And so you should be intimidated. Don't mess with me because I have a big dad, well, this morning, we want to talk about a big dad in whom we can have a lot of confidence. Because when we grow up and we are no longer children on a playground mess, being messed with by other kids, we start to go, you know, I don't think my dad's going to be able to fix this. We run into problems as adults where we go, I don't think my dad actually is the superhero I need right now. And so let's find uh, the hero we need right now, and we'll find him in Psalm 97. Psalm 97, verse 1. The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the many coastlands be glad. The Lord reigns. The Lord reigns. He is king. There is no one that is in authority over God, right? You can work your way up the chain of command. If, if you go into a store and you have a problem, you can talk to uh, the associate, and then you can talk to the assistant manager, and then you can talk to the manager, and then you can take it to the owner or corporate or whoever, and you can work your way up the chain of command, and then you can go to the Better Business Bureau, and then you can take it to the courts, and then you can take it to the, the Supreme Court, state Supreme Court, and you could go to the... You, you just keep working your way up right? There's nobody higher than this. The Lord reigns. The end. The Lord reigns. There is no one else who reigns. Just him. He's in charge. If you want to go to somebody, you go to him. Well, this should give you great confidence because the Lord is a good choice. If you're going to have somebody who's reigning over the whole world, you want this one, right? You want this one, not somebody else. And so it says, the Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the many coastlands be glad. Let everybody around the world rejoice because the Lord reigns. Because the Lord reigns. And then he begins to describe the Lord. Verse 2. Clouds and thick darkness are all around him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and burns up his adversaries all around. His lightnings light up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. Was there any confusion about who we were talking about? The Lord, the one who reigns, the Lord of all the earth, the supreme authority, 
Listen to these descriptions. The clouds and thick darkness are around him because righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. The foundation of his reign and rule are righteousness and justice. Finally, Because so often when we see powers and authorities, what we see is people ruling by might and for their own purposes. And here we have righteousness and justice are the foundation for his throne. It's the foundation for his rule. If you want to know, how is it that he rules? Right? The, the Lord reigns, okay. In what way does he reign? What, what's the foundation for his decision-making in the way that he gives his decrees, in the way that he executes his judgments? How does the Lord reign? He reigns with righteousness and with justice. Righteousness and justice. Those two things have to come together. Righteousness and justice do. Because if you have righteousness, right, the the things that are right, if God does what is right and he expects what is right, what happens when the wrong happens? In order to maintain the righteousness, there has to be justice, right? So if God is going to rule in righteousness, he's going to reign in righteousness, we say, yes, that's what we want. We want there to be righteousness, We want the person who's in charge to be righteous and to rule righteously. Okay, so what happens when somebody deviates from that? What happens when somebody treats somebody else inappropriately? What happens when somebody somebody does something that's wrong? What then is the response to that? It has to be justice, right? Justice is the making right of wrongs. And so the foundation of God's rule are righteousness and justice. He rules in righteousness, and everything that does not meet his righteous standard, he makes right. That's the kind of God that he is. And he has the power to do it. Listen to this. Clouds and thick darkness are all around him. The fire goes before him and burns up his adversaries all around. His lightnings light up the world, and the earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. Even in the descriptions of this, if you are familiar with your Bibles and you're thinking about the presence of the Lord in this way, I'm sure that the first thing you thought of was the book of Exodus, where Moses goes up on the mountain to meet with the Lord, right? It says this in Exodus chapter 19, verse 16. On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast, so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly, and the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Moses spoke, and God answered him in the thunder. 
The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. What an awesome way for God to reveal himself to his people. He he delivered them out of Egypt by miraculous works. They had seen the power of his salvation. And he brings them here now to Mount Sinai to make a covenant with them and say, this is how our relationship is going to be. I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my people. And this is the way I'm going to rule in righteousness. Moses, come up here. I'm going to give you some instructions. Come up here. And all the people gathered to watch Moses go up Mount Sinai into the thick cloud as the lightning and the thunder was happening and the mountain trembled and they trembled at the presence of the Lord. While the Lord gives his instruction to Moses, right? He's giving him the commandments. He's telling him, this is what righteousness is. This is what will set you apart as my people. This is how you will be a people holy and set apart for me. This is what righteousness and justice will look like. And so they are all there and and hearing that and seeing that. So now when we come back to Psalm 97, we see this same imagery and it harkens back to the giving of the law and who God is in his righteousness and justice. The clouds and thick darkness are all around him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation for his throne. Fire goes before him and burns up all his adversaries all around His lightnings light up the world, and the earth sees and trembles. And all the mountains melt like wax before the Lord. When you see the presence of God and you recognize his righteousness, the response is to tremble. To tremble. To to be afraid in the presence of a holy, righteous God. But do you know there are times when you can be afraid, when one person in the same scenario can be afraid and the other person is not afraid, right? Let's say uh, my my sister has Rottweilers, several Rottweilers. And Rottweilers can be very aggressive dogs. And so when somebody comes onto her property who was not invited, they are greeted by several Rottweilers. Lots of barking. Lots of trembling. But do you know who's not afraid at that moment? My sister is not afraid. There may be six barking Rottweilers And my sister is not afraid because she knows whose side the Rottweilers are on, right? It is one thing to have the dogs barking at you this way. It is a completely different thing to have the dogs barking that way. If the dogs are barking this way at me, I'm terrified. If the dogs are barking that way, I feel secure, 
When we have the presence of a holy God like this, and we recognize that the fire goes before him and burns up his adversaries all around, then the response, the appropriate response for that is to say, if I am an enemy of the Lord, I should be really afraid right now. Because here comes the fire of God sweeping through that's going to burn up all of his enemies. But if I have aligned myself with the Lord, I am in a place of great confidence because I've got a big dad, a really big dad. And the presence of the Lord sounds and looks like this. But here's the thing. There are a lot of people that don't believe this. Uh Uh-huh. Clouds and thick darkness. Mountains melting like wax. Okay. 2 Peter chapter 3 talks about this. Because sometimes those who don't believe in God don't tremble, right? They don't believe that this is coming. Oh, yeah, you have a God of righteousness and justice. Righteousness and justice are the foundation for his throne, and he's going to burn up all of his adversaries. Where is he? 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 4. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. It just is going. It's as if God isn't here. For they deliberately overlook this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God, and that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, They are being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come, like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will all be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn? But according to his promise, we are waiting for the new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Yeah, there there are those who go, I don't see it. I don't see a mighty, powerful God executing justice by burning up all of his adversaries. I don't see it. Yep. I know. You're lucky because God is gracious 
and God is patient. God is gracious and God is patient, and so he is holding back his justice. And so when we look around and see the injustices in the world and say, how come God is not burning this all up? It's because he's waiting. But don't be deceived. It is coming. It is coming. Just like God's patience ran out and he wiped out the population of the world in the flood during the time of Noah, a time of fire is coming that will burn up everything that is not holy and righteous. Everything that does not meet his standard will be consumed. Everything on earth and into the heavens will melt in his presence. But the reason that it hasn't happened yet is because he is restraining that wrath of his. He is holding back that power. He has leashed himself, right? My sister might hold the Rottweilers back on a leash or tether them and warn the the people who have come onto her property, it would be best if you left before I untether these dogs. And for the adversaries of God, it would be best if they repented of their sin before he unleashed his wrath. Because it says in verse 6 of Psalm 97, the heavens proclaim his righteousness and all the peoples see his glory. Everybody should be able to see the glory of God. Romans chapter 1 talks about it like this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in those things that have been made. And so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give him thanks. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Even though God created the world and everything in it, and we look at it and see how awesome and incredible it is, and think to ourselves, what an awesome God there must have been to create all of this. His divine power and authority have been present and as witnesses before us in creation since the beginning of time. When God created it, it revealed his glory. And yet people deny him and suppress that truth and prop up other things instead and say, I'm going to worship this instead. And they make things in their own likeness and in the likeness of creation rather than worshiping the creator himself. But this is what it says in verse 7 of Psalm 97. All worshipers of images are put to shame those who make their boast in worthless idols. Worship him, all you gods. (laughs) 
Those who worship other things that are not God are going to be put to shame. Those who make their boast in idols. And then he says, in fact, uh, all you gods, you should worship the Lord. Now, this word gods can mean God, big capital G. It can mean gods, multiple little lowercase g gods. It can mean angels. It can mean uh, rulers and authorities of, of earthly things. And so what we have here is the Lord reigns, and so all of you authorities, any authority that thinks that you have authority over anything, acknowledge that you are under the reign of God. Are you a spiritual authority? Are you a human authority? Submit. Worship Him. Bow down to Him. Pay obedience to Him. He is the God of all the earth. And He has displayed His righteousness in His reign. And so we wait. And while we wait, we hear that He is here. We hear of His righteous reign. And we are being told, rejoice, even now rejoice. Even now rejoice, because the Lord reigns. He is God over all the earth. So Zion hears, verse 8, Zion hears and is glad. The daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgments, O Lord. For you, O Lord, are most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. You, O Lord, are above the earth. You are above all authorities. There is no one who has authority that you do not have authority over them. Zion hears and rejoices. Zion is glad, right? In the presence of God, all the mountains melt like wax before him. But this place of his worship, Mount Zion, his place of worship rejoices at his presence. It doesn't melt. It is the foundation The people that are gathered to worship God are rejoicing in his very presence because he stands alone and there is no one like him. And so there is a call to us in verse 10. O you who love the Lord, hate evil. He preserves the lives of his saints. He delivers them from the hand of the wicked. O you who love the Lord, Hate evil. We've already talked about how God is, uh, the foundation of his throne is righteousness and justice. These two things together. God is perfect and holy. All that he does is right. And he wants what is right before him all the time. He wants everything to always be right. And so his wrath is kindled to execute his justice, which currently is being restrained at least in part. And so we who love the Lord should also hate that evil. The things that God is going to... You remember when Moses was talking with God and God was going, Moses, I'm so tired of these people. 
I'm just going to wipe them out. And Moses goes, God, can you just not do that? This was his own people. His own people that had turned to idolatry. His own people that had not trusted him. Who had not uh, given him thanks, but were instead going, we don't think that God is here. We don't think that God is loving us. We think that God has just brought us out here in the wilderness to die. And God's wrath is kindled against that kind of rebellious evil. And Moses says, wait, 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 wait. And God's wrath is still kindled in the, against the evil that is in the world. He's, he's restraining himself. Because he has great patience. He is restraining himself from just wiping it all out right now. And so we who follow him should have that same posture. We should also hate that evil. Sometimes I feel like I um, must be very patient with evil. But I don't think it's actually patience so much as tolerance. It doesn't bother me that much. Yeah, it's bad. Bad stuff happens, right? I I very rarely find myself getting really worked up. Because what am I going to do about it anyway? I'm not that big a guy. What am I going to do? I'm going to get mad? Okay. But I, I see evil in the world, but then there's like the evil that's like normal kinds of evil, and then there's the like really evil stuff. And so the, the, the kind of evil stuff, I go, well, you know, whatever. But then the really evil stuff comes up, and I go, hey, that's not right. And I get kind of worked up about it, a little bit huffy, because I don't like it. That's an appropriate response. It should be our response to all evil. It should be our response to the evil that we see in the world. It should be the response that we have to the evil that is against us or against the people that we love. It should be the response that we have to the evil that is within our own hearts. We should hate it, loathe it. We should be repulsed by it. What is this? When we discover that we have evil within ourselves, we should go, what? Why am I putting up with this? When too often my response is, yeah, it's probably fine. I'm tired of trying to make things right. God doesn't get tired of trying to make things right. Righteousness and justice. And so when we see that evil within us, we have to go, wait, this is not right. We should be angry that there's evil within us. We should be angry that there's evil against us. We should be angry that there's evil in the world. We should be uh, upset about those things. Okay, so now we're upset, right? I can see all on your faces. You look very upset to me. You've been thinking about the evil in the world. You're very upset. Now what do I do with it, right? 
Because that's the place where I go. Okay, now I'm just mad. I'm just walking around mad. Oh, you who love the Lord, hate evil. He preserves the lives of his saints. He delivers them from the hand of the wicked. We hate it, and we go, God, I hate it. Just like the kid on the playground who's getting picked on, Dad! You can try and push him back. That's just going to get you hurt. Dad! Help! Or you see somebody that's picking on a brother or sister, and you go, hey, stop that, or else what? I'm going to tell my dad. And I think we need to tell our dad a lot more often than we do. I think that we put up with the evil or try to pretend that it's not there because we feel like there's nothing we can do about it anyway. And so instead of getting all worked up about it, instead of getting angry about it, we just go, you know what? It must not be that big of a deal. It's a coping mechanism to say it must not be that big of a deal because there's nothing I could do about it anyway, so it has to be okay. No, still not okay. And I want to give you something to do about it. Go tell your dad. Go tell your dad. Go tell your heavenly father. Because you know what? He hates it too. He hates it too. He hates it when people are picking on his kids. He hates it when people are, are not living the way that, that he has designed them to live. He, he hates it when people are worshiping other things instead of him. He hates all of that. And his justice is going to come into play. And so there are times when we just go, is it time yet, God? Is it time yet? How about now, God? Have we had enough now? Can you do something about it now? Can you make it stop now? Even if you don't judge all the, all the wickedness in all the world right now, could you at least do this one? Make this one stop. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 8, it says, I, wisdom, dwell with, the, with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. It's just, this is wise living. To say, I don't like any of that stuff. I don't like it in other people. I don't like it in me. And so I'm going to endeavor to live a righteous life before the Lord and then cry out to him every time it doesn't match. Every time I see that it's not matching in someone else and every time I see it in me, I go, God, I hate this. Why do I keep doing this? Please make it stop. Please change my heart so that I don't do this anymore. Would your spirit be at work in me? We should hate it. Because in contrast, verse 11, light is sown for the righteousness and joy for the upright of heart. 
Yeah, we should be angry about the evil, but do you know what? At the same time, that righteousness of God is being planted. It's being planted all around you and within you. Those seeds of righteousness, those seeds of light are being sown so that you might be lights in the world. Not not the kind of, um, I need to be a light to the world, I'm going to be an example, I'm going to just be the positive that I hope to see in other people, none of that. But God's righteousness planted within you, God's spirit at work within you, transforming you to show his righteousness to the world. No pressure on you to do stuff. God's going to do it through you. That's the work of the Holy Spirit through you. That's his planting righteousness in the world so that all might see his glory and righteousness revealed. Light is sown for the righteous and joy for the upright in heart. Because we need that. Right? When, when we see that the, the wrath of God is being held back for a time, and we know that that wrath is in part, at least, directed toward us because of the sin within us, because of the sin that we also hate, right? As those who are trying to follow God, we go, there is sin in me that I hate. So let's give some hope for that in Romans chapter 3. But now, the righteousness of God has been made manifest apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. That righteousness and justice side by side. For us sinners... He says, the way that I'm going to do this is this. I'm going to have my righteousness prevail by making you right. And I'm going to execute my justice on all of your sin and wickedness. But instead of executing it on you, I'm going to execute it on my son. My son is going to receive my wrath. So that you might have his righteousness. What kind of a father do we have? One with great power and glory. One who reigns over all the earth. One who does not put up with any wickedness. And one who graciously loves us and says, Come here, my child, and I will protect you from the evil that is without, and I will cleanse you from the evil that is within. So we come down to the last verse of Psalm 97 in verse 12. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, and give thanks to his holy name.
you came to the Lord unrighteous. But when we believe that Jesus has taken our place, then our sin is removed and we get to be called the righteous of God. And so come. Come. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, and give thanks to his name. We get to be in this place of calm and peace and security. Because even though we see the evil in the world, we know that it has been dealt with in our own hearts. And we know that his justice is coming to deal with the injustices in the world. And for that we rejoice. And I would invite you to rejoice with me now. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we recognize that there is a lot of sin in the world. Father, it is overwhelming to consider it all. It is overwhelming because it is beyond my ability to deal with. We are not able to deal with the sin in our own lives, let alone those, the sin in the lives of those who are near to us and have absolutely no power or authority to affect the sin that is in the world far from us. And yet, Lord, we see these injustices. And so, Father, would you help us to be sensitive to that? That when we see injustice in the world, that we would respond appropriately as you do? That it would not be okay? but that it would cause us to be angry with that sin. And then, Lord, we pray that you would help us to trust that your justice will prevail, that in the end all things will be made right, and that in the moment we can trust you Thank you, Lord, for being so patient, so patient with us, so patient with the world. But Lord, I ask that for those who are in this room right now, who are being dealt with unjustly, Lord, I pray that you would give them justice, and I pray that you would give them justice swiftly. that your glory may be proclaimed all the more. And we ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen.